So Genesis chapter 1. I'm just going to read verse 1. You've already uh, heard the, the entire text, and, and we're really not going to be looking at all of those verses, so don't, don't begin to weep. Uh, but I'm just going to read verse, uh, verse 1, and then we're going to pray and get started. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Father, I pray that we would see you for who you really are, God. I pray that we would understand uh, our place in the universe. And Father, I know that we can't, we can't get that right. We can't understand who we are and why we're here and what, you, what, what our purpose is uh, unless we first understand who you are and what you have done. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we go through this, this series, as we have an opportunity to go, uh, go back to the beginning, uh, that, God, that you would solidify in our hearts uh, who you are, that you would reveal and show us your glory and show us your, your characteristics, your, your attributes. Uh, Father, reveal yourself to us that we may see you clearly. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting to me, uh, just, just going back to the, the first page of the Bible, and, and it begins in the beginning. And, and that's, a, that's a great way to begin, uh, just because it takes us back to the beginning of time, to the beginning of, of all that we know that, that is and exists. And what we find when we get to Genesis 1-1 is we find God. I mean, that, that's all that we find. If you go to the beginning, you, you find God. It says, in the beginning, God. Okay? And just stop right there. And it says, God created the heavens and the earth. But, but, but the very first phrase, in the beginning, God, teaches us something monumentally important that we need to understand is that God is all that existed, okay? God, God is everything. From, from eternity past, there has only been God. Okay? God is eternal. He exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see them here in Genesis chapter 1. And, and that was gloriously good and perfect. You know, whenever, whenever I, I talk to people about, hey, you know, God is eternal. And, you know, there, there's never been anything but God in the history of, of all the history and all the time and, and, and all eternity past. There, there almost is a sense of loneliness that comes upon people. When you, when you say, you know, before, before the heavens and the earth, before the creation of all that is, there was just God. And people are almost like, oh, man, I feel sorry for him, you know. And there's almost this, this thing in people that wants to say, well, I understand why he created us. He was lonely, you know. I mean, for, for all eternity past, it was just God. God and, and surely, you know, he just woke up one day and he's like, boy, and I am so tired of being alone, you know, and let me make some people, you know, and, and I'll have something to entertain me. It's kind of like God getting an ant farm, you know, he wants to make something so he can watch it, you know, and, and that's not what you find at all in the scriptures. From eternity past, God existed in this glorious state of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect fellowship and in perfect love, perfect grace, perfect power, perfect glory in the one God existing in three persons. Folks, that, that's the picture that we get from the Bible, okay? God, there is no deficiency in God. There, there, there's no lacking in God, okay? God is completely, uh, completely satisfied in himself, okay? Now, the question that my kids always ask me when we, when we look at, at this, 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 this verse or this passage of Scripture is, well, but what was before God, you know? I mean, isn't that the way your mind works? You know, you kind of go back to the farthest point, and they're like, okay, what was before that? You know, what happened before that? You know, what happened before that? You know, what happened before God? There, there, there is nothing that happened before God. God is eternal. I, I like Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 is another great passage just to kind of get your head around creation. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, He's the image of the invisible. 
invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Verse 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now, that verse particularly is talking about Jesus Christ. And I don't want you to think there's any... There's any um, discrepancy in the scripture because in, indeed John chapter 1 1 and, and lots of other verses affirm that Jesus was part of the creation that everything was created through Jesus Christ the very word in Genesis 1 where it says God created the heaven and the earth that word God is Elohim it's a plural word it's a really fascinating thing that, that the word for God which is that's really the most common word for God in the in the Old Testament it's not his personal name it's not Yahweh or Jehovah or any, any of those other names for God but it's kind of the generic game, name for God in, in the Old Testament and that word is a plural word it, great, great, great verse in verse 26 of Genesis 1 where, when God creates man. It says, then God said, let us make man. Isn't that great? Let us. Who, who's he talking? He's not talking to the angels. He's not saying, hey, guys, go get that stuff over there. Go give me some dirt and let's bring it over here. You guys got to help me. You know, he, he's not he's not saying that at all because of what he says next. Next, let us make man in our image. OK, so that doesn't work with anybody else but the Godhead. OK, because God can't say to the angels, hey, let's make man in our image. Because the angels and God aren't the same, okay? He can't say that to the devil. He can't say that to any other creature. So, so we see that Jesus and the Spirit of God are, are actively involved in the creation story. And Colossians 1.16 says that all things were created by and for Jesus Christ, whether, whether thrones or, or, or dominions or rulers or authorities. But then the phrase I love in there is, is this, all things visible or invisible, okay? Now, you can't find anything outside of that category, can you? I mean, you got visible things, you got invisible things. Okay, what is, is there a third option for anything? There's not a third option, is there? I mean, I mean, the scripture is boxing us in to say, look, God created everything. Visible, invisible, all that exists is created by God. And, and therefore, what we understand is, is that God creates out of nothing. Now, that's a significant thing. There's a theological term for that. Uh, we don't need to talk about that. But, but basically, what you need to know is God creates out of nothing. When we create, we create out of something, right? If you're a potter, then you get a lump of clay. You got some raw material. And you shape it and fashion it and manipulate it into something else. Maybe if you're a woodworking guy, you get some lumber. You get a tree and you get some nails and you get some glue and, and you get a saw. And you manipulate the wood into a pulpit or, or, or a wall or what, whatever. You, you manipulate the raw materials. God does something. Something different than that. In fact, the word here in Genesis 1 for create is the word barar, and it means to create in the sense of a new activity. It's only used for God. Okay, that's interesting. In the entire Old Testament, the Hebrew language, in the Bible, this word is only used for God's kind of creation because God is the only one who creates out of nothing. Okay, God speaks into existence what is. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, is a great verse about this. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Okay, the Bible wants, wants us to be clear that God didn't just come upon you. You know, he's traveling through space one day and he, oh, wow, here's a lump of mud. You know what? I bet if we, you know, shaped the mountains like this and did this, you know, I bet we could do something with this, with this thing, you know, and maybe we can make something grow here, you know, let me plant some seeds. God did not do that. God spoke what is in existence into an exi- into existence. And, and so God creates out of nothing. There were no raw materials. There were no other beings before God. There are no rival gods. God has no competition. Everything that exists has 
has come from God. Now, that's a really encouraging thing to me because you, you've heard this. You know, your dad probably told you this. I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. Okay, literally, that's true for God, okay? You know, that's not always true for us because, you know, there, there were other factors involved and such. But for God, it is true. Whatever exists, God brought into the world. So everything is subservient to God. You know, there, there aren't any equals. There's no, nobody else there. God brings into existence all that is. Okay? There's no threat to his throne, to his rule, to his supremacy, to his sovereignty. That, that, that's, a, that's the thing with God. That we live in a God-centered universe because God brought it all about. It's all about God. In the beginning, there was God and everything that exists is brought about by the will and the pleasure of God. Now, something else we see here in Genesis 1 real quick is that when God creates, notice that things go from, from formless and void to, to orderly. In other words, God, God is always moving things into an orderly fashion. Okay, you got in verse 2, he says, The earth was without form and void and darkness over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of, the, uh, of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God begins to bring order with his creation. Everything that God does in, in, these, in these six days of creation brings about this orderly, um, beautiful uh, designed uh, thing that works in perfect harmony, okay? God creates order. And, and, and I say that, I think that's important. You've probably heard other people say this as well, because science is dependent upon God being a creator God. Uh, you know, I, I think our cultures try to convince us that science and, and, and the Bible are at odds or not at odds at all. Science and a creator God go hand in hand because we see that God creates things in an orderly fashion. In a universe where there's no creator God and all you have is random explosions of random particles and producing random things, there really can't be science. You know, science is the observation of, of design and processes. And, and, and I mean, the very, the very, I think it's a scientific method, isn't it? You, you observe things over and over again, right? I mean, that's what we do, you know? And so, so when, when, when some guy someday, you know, he dropped his keys and he noticed, man, they fell just like that. And then the next day he dropped them the same way. And the next day, you know, he dropped them again. And, and he begins to notice, you know what? When I drop my keys, first of all, they don't explode in, in, in the air. You know, they don't disappear. They don't disintegrate. They don't shoot off that way. They don't go up. They don't hover. Uh, and, you know, they go down. I mean, there's something happening there. And somebody some, somehow figured out, you know what? There's a law there. There's a law of gravity. And you know why that law? And they figured out that the earth is spinning in a situation way, you know, it's a design. And science exists because we live in a world that was designed by God, okay? God created the earth to spin at the exact speed and the exact rotation around the sun so that we wouldn't fly off. And, and, he, and he created the, the earth to tilt in certain ways so that we have summer when the, when the earth you know, tilts toward the south and, and winter when it, toward the north. And, and so science observes these things and, and it proves, proves these scientific laws. And, and all they're doing is recognizing and acknowledging that God is a creator God who created things in, in a designed fashion. And folks, there are great implications when we begin to, to accept the world from that angle. When we begin to say, okay, there is a creator God and he created all that is. And, and not only did he create all that is, but he created order and design so that we can study it and figure it out and understand it. When you begin to em embrace that worldview, that has incredible implications on your life. And, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. In fact, that's what we're going to spend most of our time on today is just the implications of, of creation. But what I want you to understand is that that's a hard thing for many people to, to receive. In other words, if, if you receive that the, the, the Genesis 1 is true, that there was nothing before God, that God has existed since eternity past and God brought everything into being by his will for his pleasure. When you begin to accept that, that has great 
ramifications upon your life. And therefore, there's a movement in, in our day and really throughout the history of the world to, to reject that. Um, the most recent attempt is just really to, to say that, look, the universe was spontaneously generated, you know. It just came into being, you know. There's this big bang, there's this, this explosion, there's this whatever happened, different different theories. But, but basically, you know, things randomly and accidentally collide and then they make something incredible. Um, I would just challenge you today, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Really, I'm going to spend most of our time on the implications of creation. But let, let me just challenge you. If that's where you're at today, I just want you to just, just think about the, the logic even of that. Um, that, that what we see would, would spontaneously, accidentally appear because of a random collision of molecules. Now, you still have a problem. Even if you believe that, you still got to figure out where the molecules came from and the atoms. And, you know, you got to figure out why stuff is moving. And, I mean, there's got, there's got to be something even before that. But, but let's, just, let's, just, let's just stay right where we're at. Things don't happen that way. What we see in Genesis is this creator who, who's designing this thing that works together. And, and that's what we know. Uh, I, I went off on a bike ride yesterday with Andrew. And we hadn't gotten two blocks and my bike starts to fall apart, you know. I've got aero bars on the front of it that allows me to kind of lay down and rest, you know, while I'm riding because I need that. And, and so they're, they kind of stretch out. And, and bolts start popping off, you know. I mean, literally, bolt popped off and a washer came loose. And then, you know, things are hitting the ground. And we had to stop and pick up all my parts. And, and that's kind of things happen in life, doesn't it? We have something that, that is orderly and it goes to disorder. Does that, does that happen in your life too, you know. You're, you're carrying the Walmart sacks and you loaded them yourself. You went through the self-check and, and they're way too heavy heavy and the bottom comes out and you have disorder, right? I mean, you had something orderly, you had things packed together and bam, all of a sudden you got disorder and I'm riding my bike and things are kind of orderly and bam, I've got disorder. But you know what never happens? My, my life never goes from, from, from disorder to order accidentally. Uh, let me tell you what's never happened before. And I've rode a lot of miles on my bike. I, I think I've rode 15, 1600 miles this season. Never once ha- have parts popped out of the ditch and made something on my bike. I mean, that's never happened. I've rode a lot of miles. I never hit it. I've hit lots of stuff. We'll, we'll hit, a lot of times Drew will hit something and it'll hit me. You know, I mean, rocks and things on the road and stuff. But it never like comes together and makes something, you know. In fact, I, my, my handlebars have been partially broken for several weeks. And, and never once, you know, have I been driving down. There's lots of screws on the road, isn't there? There's lots of, you know, people farm. Farmers, you know, there's, there's nuts and washers. There's all that stuff. Never once do they pop up and screw together and make my, my, my arrow bars work. I mean, that doesn't happen. And you're laughing because we know that doesn't happen. Never do you walk out of Walmart and there's all this mess on the floor. You know, people do this. They have milkshakes and they, they always get spilled. Have you seen that? Ice cream cones on that. But never does, does one come together and pop up in your sack and create an orderly thing. That doesn't happen, does it? Things go, I mean, it just doesn't. That, that's a law in our, in our world. And so why would we think that all of a sudden... This accidental collision of atoms and molecules would come together in whatever way that you want to dream up. And it would make the designed orderly thing that we see. It just does not make sense. And so I just appeal to you to to take Genesis 1 as the word of God. And to, to realize that in the beginning there was only God. And everything that's created has been created orderly and designed by a perfect creator God. And that's not, that's not in opposition to scientists. I, I mean, you can't be a scientist. It means you can be a scientist. <laughs> you can say, wow, there's a, there's a world here that's incredibly designed, and I want to know everything about it. Notice the mode of creation. I love this. This has great ramifications on our life. How does God create? He speaks. Okay? He speaks. Uh, do you see that? 
you know, verse, verse three, and God said, okay, God says, let there be light. You know, God doesn't look for a light bulb. He doesn't look for electricity. He doesn't try to plug something in. You know, I mean, God just, when he, when he wants something, he says it. He speaks it into existence. And how beautiful is it as we look at how God creates the universe that we go over to the New Testament and we see Jesus Christ, who is God in human flesh. You know, he's the incarnation of God. And what does he do? He does the same thing. Lazarus is in the tomb, four days dead, and Jesus is going to raise him. What does Jesus do? He doesn't come over there and do CPR on a guy who's been dead four days. That would be really bad, wouldn't it? You know, he doesn't go over there and start pumping on his, his decaying chest. He, he, he doesn't hook him up to anything. He doesn't shoot him with a shot. He doesn't give him a pill. You know what he does? He speaks. He stands outside the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus, he's on the Sea of Galilee, and there's this horrible storm, okay? And the, the, the ship is about to go under, and the sailors are trying everything they can do to keep the thing afloat, and they're rowing, and they're, they're, they're just doing whatever sailors do to not die. I don't know, you know? And they're throwing out anchors, and they're doing all this stuff. You know what Jesus does? Jesus gets up, and he speaks to, to the wind and the waves, and he says, be still, and it is. That's the same creator God in Genesis 1. When God wants to do something, he just speaks it. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. This is a great verse. God says, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing in which I sent it. I I like the refrain. You probably heard it as as the scripture was read this morning. But after God creates each thing, do do you see what happens, what he says? Uh, He says, it's good. You see that? Look look in verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then verse 4 says, and God saw the light, that it was good. And then then go down to, let's say, verse 10. Uh, And God called the dry land earth, and the waters were gathered together. And he called the seas, and God saw that it was good. Um, Go down to verse 12. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which in their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Did you see the refrain over and over and over again? God speaks into existence, and then what does he say? That's good. That's good. And it is good, isn't it? I mean, it's good. It's good for us. I mean, the sun is good for us. Without it, it's real cold, bad deal, frozen, everything, dead, okay? I mean, the sun is a good deal. Rain is a good deal for us. Animals are a good deal for us. Vegetation is a good deal for us. Trees are a good deal. I mean, I mean the things that God made are good. And so, so God speaks into existence all that is. And what God speaks is good. Okay? We see that. We walk outside and we affirm that. Okay? So, so let, me, let me challenge you. Let, let, let's have a little word of application here. What else has God spoken? What God say about your marriage? What God say about... What God say about raising kids? What God say about forgiveness? What do you say when, when people hurt you? What are you supposed to do? What what God say about that? You see what I'm saying? And and, and here, here's the model. If if we understand what God says comes into being and what he says is good, then then ought not we to embrace that whatever everything that God says, that's good. It's good for us. Embrace the word of God. Now I'm going I'm to kind of stop there. We're going to shift gears real quick because we, we need to move here. But I'm going to make a huge assumption. I'm going to make the assumption that what I've just said, most of you hopefully affirm. Okay? 
You affirm that there's a creator God. He created everything that exists. He spoke it into existence. It's good. Okay, well, I, I, I'm just making that assumption that now maybe you're not there yet. If you're not there, I'd encourage you to come talk to one of us, maybe Pastor Chris, Pastor Andrew, Pat, uh, myself, and, and, and just let us kind of show you more in the scriptures of, of, of the evidence for creation. But I'm going to assume that, that most of you believe that there's a creator God. You don't believe in, in, in you know, a random series of accidents or coincidences that brought about the world. And so I want to move now to, I think, I think what's infinitely important for us as believers and those who want to follow God. What, what does it mean for us? Okay? What are the implications? If, if this is true, and it is in Genesis chapter 1, then what kind of implications does that have on our life? Okay? Let, let's look at several things. All right? First of all, real quick. First of all, the, 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 the first implication is you're not an owner. You're a steward. Okay? If we live in a world that God has created, there was nothing before God, and all there was was God, and God brought into existence everything that, that, that is, then what that means is you don't own anything. Okay, I don't own anything. We can't claim anything as being our own. Psalm chapter 50, verse 10. Uh, the Bible says, for every beast of the forest, this is what God says, every beast of the forest is mine. Uh, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the fields. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. You hear what God says? Everything is mine. All, it's all mine. Okay, And whatever you have has been given to you by God. Okay, that we need to own that. We need to receive that. You say, well, hey, you know, I've worked hard and, and I've been smart and I've been wise and I've been a good businessman. And I agree that we should do all of those things and those things are a factor in life. But when it comes right down to it, what you have is from God. You've worked hard. Great. Who gave you the strong back to work hard? Well, Genesis chapter one says that God created you and gave you that back. You, you say, well, I've been smart in business and I've invested. All right. Who gave you that mind? Who gave you the intellectual ability to plan and develop and to invest and to make wise decisions? You got that from a creator God. You say, well, I'm really good at managing people and I've risen up in my company or my field so that, so that I'm over a whole bunch of people. Who gave you the personality and the skills to do that? God did. You're in the oil business. Let me ask you, who put the oil there? God put the oil there. You're in the farming business. Who, who, who brings up the crops? God brings up the crops. You know, wh- whatever it is, you're in the spiritual realm, okay? You say, you know what? I'm a good person. I've done these good things and God's and, you know, this work in my life. Folks, the, the, the truth of the matter is everything you have, even in the spiritual realm, even your good works, comes from God. Now, let me read you what the Bible says in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is Paul talking about his own life. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Okay, Paul makes it very clear that whatever I've done, whatever, whatever I've, however I've worked hard, you know, in the spiritual life and whatever kind of person I become, it's because of the grace of God working in me. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. You see, God has not stopped creating in Genesis chapter 1, but the Bible says every time someone's born again, you know what that is? That's a new creation. God brings you to life. Just as God spoke in Genesis 1 and and brought man to life and breathed the breath of life in him, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit breathes into us spiritual life. When I was 18 years old, I I was brought to life spiritually. God did a new creation in me. And therefore, everything that I have comes from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 is one of my favorite verses. It says, "...for who sees anything different in you?" What do you have that you did not receive? And the implied answer there is nothing. What do you have that you did not receive? 
I tell you what, you know what that does for a person when you embrace that? It, it, it really humbles you. There's no boasting when you believe Genesis chapter 1. Uh, we are creature and God is creator. There's no looking down on other people, you know, as if we've kind of risen above them or we've done things that, that make us more special or more gifted or more whatever than anybody else. No. We, all that we have is from God. Number two, second implication. We're not in a position to tell God that he should be a certain way. Okay? So, so when you believe Genesis chapter 1, you, you realize that, you know what? I'm not in a position to rail against God because there are times in our life where we want to do that, isn't there? Romans chapter 9 is, is a great passage for this. And I've just kind of chosen uh, passages throughout the Bible to kind of show you these things. Um, Romans chapter 9 is a tough ch- chapter. It, it, it describes God's providence and his ruling over all the, all the earth. And, and there are times where God does things that are, that are hard for us to, to understand. And there are times where we want to come back at God and say, God, why'd you do that? You know, or God, that's not fair. Or, God, you shouldn't allow this thing in my life. Or God, you know, you should have stopped the pain or you should have prospered me or you should have done this or done that. And in Romans chapter nine, listen to, to what Paul does here. Paul kind of creates a situation where, where, where someone is, is questioning God. In Romans nine, verse 20, here's what Paul says. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Verse 21, has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honored use and another for dishonorable use? Do do you see where he's going there? You know, these people are questioning God. Hey, God, I don't think you ought to do it that way. And God, I don't think you're just. And God, I got a problem with this. And I got a problem with this world. And, and, And Paul just says, look, is it a wise thing for what is molded, that's the creature, to say to the creator, you know, I think maybe you got this wrong. I mean, as we look at, at this pot here, is it, is it a wise thing for the pot to say, you know what? I don't think I should be here. I don't think I should be this way. I don't think I should be this color. I don't think I should have the little design around that. I, I mean, that's not wise, is it? Is it I mean, it's, not, it's kind of ridiculous, actually, is what it is. I mean, Paul's creating a ridiculous situation in which the clay speaks back to the potter. We know clay doesn't do that. It's molded, okay? It's shaped. Somebody made that. Somebody with a far superior intellect and and wisdom and design shaped that, whatever material that is, into that pot. And and Paul uses that same example to say, look, you're in no position to say to God, you ought to be some some way different. You ought to do something different. Because whenever we do that, we're forgetting that God is the creator and we are the creation. Thirdly, Creation teaches us about our creator. One of, my, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 19. Psalm 19, 1 and 2. Here's what it says. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. The Bible tells us that the, the, the creation itself declares God's attributes to us. When you walk outside and you see the, 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 the sky and the sun and then the, the solar system and, and then night and day and seasons and, and grass and, and the ecosystem, ecosystem and the animal. When you see all of that, it teaches you things about God. It teaches you about his mercy. It teaches you about his power. It teaches you about his grace. I, I like what Jesus said in, in, in Mark or in Matthew chapter, chapter five, verse 45. 
Uh, he's, he's trying to tell us to love your neighbor and to love your, even your enemy, even people that, that are not good to you. And, and to show us that, he takes us back to creation. He takes us back to God's ruling over, over the world. And he says in verse 45, So that you may be sons of the Father who's in heaven. For he, God, makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Have you ever, have you ever noticed that if you live by the atheist, his lawn gets rain the same time as yours does? You know, And when the sun comes up, he doesn't have a shadow over his house. He, he's, he's got bright... You know, well, basically what Jesus is saying is look at the way God governs the universe. Look at how he's created the universe. Look, look outside at just the rain and the sun and you know things about God. You know who he is. You know, you, you know his, his power and his glory and, and even things like his mercy from creation. And because of that, here's where I'm really, where I'm really wanting to get into. Because of that, honor and thankfulness are, are constantly due to God. In Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. The, the Bible is describing for us the, the brokenness of people and, and the nature of sin. And in verse 20, listen to what he says. He says, for his invisible, he's talking about God. God's invisible attributes. Okay, an attribute is like a characteristic of, of who you are. And he says his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made. You see what the Bible says about creation? It says nobody anywhere on any continent, in any little remote village, no matter if they can't read or they they don't have a radio or they've never had a Bible, it doesn't matter where you are on the planet, if you can walk outside, if you can look at another human being, then God has spoken His divine attributes to you. God has communicated that to you simply through the things that are made. In other words, when you see creation, you know something about the Creator. Verse 21 says, For although they knew, and this is talking about mankind, although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. Okay, So, so all of us have, have seen God's, God's attributes in, in all creation, but we've not responded in the right way. We've not honored Him. We've not given thanks to Him. It says, But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So, so mankind universally has, has seen God's attributes, who God is by creation, but we've not responded in the right way. We've not honored God. We've not thanked God. And that's, that's the nature of, of our sin. Is we don't want God. We look out. We see him everywhere. We don't want him. You say, ah, pastor, I don't know about that. It's true. It's true. Let me give you an example. You hear a song on the radio. First time you ever hear it. And you love it. I mean, it just something resonates, you know, the, the beat, it just really excites you and stirs you up. And the words, the words really captivate you and kind of, kind of speak to a message, you know, deep, deep inside your heart. And you love that song. What is it that you do? What is it that you do? What is it? Do you say, man, I'm so glad for that experience. Whew, I know it'll never come again, but I'm just glad I had it. That's not what you do, is it? You try to figure out who wrote that song, don't you? You, you, you? you work, you call, you call the radio station, you call your friend, you go on your computer onto iTunes and you kind of type in whatever lyrics that you can, you can figure out because you want to know more about the guy or the gal that wrote that song, that sings that song. You want to know what else did they write? What else have they sung? What kind of album, right? That's a natural thing. I've been watching lots of football games. I hadn't played fifth and sixth grade football at Kids Inc. Let me tell you what happens all the time. 
Okay, we're watching this game and it's, it's not really exciting. And all of a sudden so they give the, the ball to some kid. And man, he breaks through the line and just right in the middle. And he's got five guys hanging on him. And he breaks through that, carrying him five yards down the field. And then he sprints past the safety and he's got incredible speed. And he makes this touchdown. And all throughout the stands, you know what everybody asks? Who's that kid? Who's that kid? Who is that number? Who's that number 23? Who, who is that kid? Hey, who's on his team? Hey, and then you know what else they ask? Who are his parents? You know, I hear that all the Like, what does that matter? You know, I mean, uh, but every, they want to know uh, who's his parents. And, and then the question asked a lot of times, well, what does he do? You know, I mean, why? I don't know. You, you know why? The reason is when we see something glorious, not that that's a great example of something glorious, but for a lot of people it is. We want to know more about it. And you hear something goes, I want to know more about that. When you see a picture, you just look, who, who painted that? Who are they? Where do they live? You want to know things. But here's what's happened. You walk outside every day and you see the most glorious display of creative, powerful activity in all of the universe. And you know what mankind has universally said? We don't care. We don't care. In fact, not only do we not care, but I really believe everybody believes in the creator God no matter what they say. That's just my personal, deep-felt conviction. I, I really believe they do. Andrew was telling me about a, an illustration here. Uh, I think it was Jacob. Jacob Thompson heard on the radio. This guy did polygraph tests all the time. And one of the, one of the questions he would throw in as they were practicing, you know, you ask a bunch of questions to see if the thing is working right, is do you believe in God? And he said they had people say no. Every time they said, they get somebody said no, you know, it spiked, you know. Because I think there's something deep down that people know. But, 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 but be, even though we know there's a creator God, you know what, you know what culture has said? I don't want to know him. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to waste two hours of my day or an hour of my day. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to do what he says. I don't care. I'm, I'm going to say that he's not there, that he doesn't exist. Or if he does, he doesn't care. Or he doesn't care what I do. You see, there's, that, that, that's what's broken about humanity. That we don't want God. And that's seen so clearly in creation. We walk out and we see incredible things. I mean, we walk outside at 741 at night. You can go outside and you can see the most splendid, incredible colors sweep across the sky in an amazing, different, unique display every night. And people see it night after night all of their lives. And they never ask, you know what? Who does that? I want to know him. I want to know more about him. What else does he do? This last week, there were people in our county who witnessed hailstones the size of, I don't know, ping pong balls, baseball. I don't know what they were. They were big, I heard. You know, plummeting from the sky and thunder that rattles the structure that you're in. Lightning that streaks across the sky. And you know what people ought to say? Hey, you know what? I don't want to trifle with who's ever doing that, okay? I mean, that's what we ought to say. Do people say that? Folks, creation teaches us something about God. You know what? We should not walk around and act as if God has not done anything for us. You know, Romans 1 says, says you know, that, that even though they saw, they saw who he was clearly every day. They walked outside. Every, every time you hold a baby, God's speaking, man. He's, he's speaking to you. And, and yet mankind is not thankful. How many people do you know walk around with a chip? God's not done anything for me. My life stinks. I don't like my family and I don't like my, my job and 
I don't, I don't like, I don't like anything. Folks, we should not treat God as if he's never done anything for us. Every gulp of air, every ray of sunshine, every drop of rain. Not, not just in creation, but not, wow, redemption, regeneration, the resurrection. I mean, all that other stuff. But, but just, just imagine. Imagine this. This happens all the time. Family goes to the lake. Beautiful summer day. Enjoys warm sunshine. Lays out on the boat. Gentle breeze coming by. Cools off in the, in the water when they get hot. You know, have a, have a great time recreating with, with bodies that can use strength and balance and skill to, to ski and kneeboard. Drive home in an air-conditioned vehicle, you know, uh, brought about by the skills put in their parents by, by God. And never once, all that day, all those gifts, all those incredible things, and never once acknowledge the giver of it all. How many days do you go like that? And never once say, you know what, man. Somebody gave us a gift here. How would you feel if that was you? What, what, if, what, if, you, what if you expend your resources, you know, and you, you get a condo for a family, you know, and just really nice place, you stock it full of everything that they would need, and, and then, then, you, then you purchase with your own money excursions for them to go out and have a good time, and, 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 and you provide everything they need and every comfort and every luxury, and, and you give it all to them, and, and the entire time they don't acknowledge your existence. There's not a thank you, there's not a hey, can I know, I would like to know who you are. You know, can I know something about you? Who, you know, I mean, why do you do this? You know, wouldn't that be offensive? Folks, it's offensive to not acknowledge the goodness of our creator, God. Number five, and this is the last thing. We exist for the pleasure and the glory of God. You know, when, when you look at creation, one of the things you have to ask yourself is why? Why? You know what the... The person that made this pulpit, they had a particular thing in mind here. They did not make this um, to um, to plow a field, you know. Uh, they, they did not make this to ride on it. Uh, they did not make this to uh, uh, be a bed. I mean, obviously, they had a specific thing in mind. Well, what they intended was for a guy to stand behind it and talk, okay. that That's what the, the, the creator of this thing, that's what they intended. And the same is true in, in all of life, right? Uh, the person that made this microphone, they had a particular reason for making it. They wanted to magnify sound. When you make a paper airplane, you know, you do so for a particular purpose. You, you want to fly the thing. When you paint a picture, you do so to enjoy it or express something you feel inside. And so let me, let me, let me close with this question. Why did God create the earth and the sky and the universe and every living thing? Why did he create you? Now, now, for some of us, some of us are going to answer that question. We're going to want to answer that question by saying, well, he did that for me. He did that for us. You know, God created all of this for, you know, it makes sense. Create a world that we could inhabit, that we could live in, that we'd have everything that we need. And so obviously, you know, it's, it's all for us. God is, God is man-centered, okay? That's not what the Bible says. Listen to what the Bible says. Let's go back to Colossians 1. Colossians 1, 16. For by him, this is talking about Jesus, by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created. Now listen to this. This is incredibly significant. Through him, in the last three words, and for him. Why? For Jesus Christ. All that exists, including you. You know the purpose you're here? The purpose you're here is to magnify and glorify to know and to savor God. That's why you're here. 
And let me tell you, don't, I, I hope when I said that, that your heart doesn't sink. If your heart sinks and you don't, you don't, you don't understand, okay? See, if, if the answer you wanted was, God created all of this so that we could just go do what we want. That, that's a disappointing answer. You know why? Doing what you want will leave you empty with a worthless life. But listen, the better answer is, this is the more exciting answer, and it's the biblical answer. God created all of this for his own glory. And we are a part of that. We are a part of of glorify. Our purpose here is to know the creator God. Not only to know him, but but to come into a relationship with him where we begin to magnify him and become like him. Because he is the most exciting thing in all the universe. See, that's an exciting answer to me. Is that, that's my, that's, it just gets better. I mean, my life is just, it's just going like this. You know, not that everything is going great in my life. But, but in the sense of, of the more I know him and the more I become like him, that's going to happen all through eternity, forever and ever. That's why you're here. That's why everything is here. We can either deny that or we can embrace it. I hope you'll embrace it. Father, I just thank you for giving us a, an opportunity to, to just see how everything began, uh, to see why, why there's grass on the ground and, and why there's birds in the air and why there's the Rocky Mountains and why there's the Pacific Ocean and, and why babies are born and why they grow and, and why they speak and why, why, every, why, why. God, thank you for just telling us why all of this is what it is. And Father, I pray that we would be a part of the great plan and purpose of knowing who you are. God, help us to learn who you are from from the sun and, and from the stars and from the universe. But God, help us to know and learn who you are from your truth, from your spoken word. And Father, we, we want to know you. And we want to glorify you. We ask that you would help us with that in Jesus' name. Amen.